0: Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we explore scripture and delve into the word of God. Let us pray together even as we start today. God, I thank you so much for this moment as we get to hear from your word. Your word is life. Your word shows us how we ought to live our lives. Your word tells us who you are. And how we can live meaningful lives. So I'm praying the next couple of minutes will be transformational for every one of us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Amen and amen. And this is week number two in our vision series that we began last week. And our team leader, Pastor Julius Rodlonio, began us on the journey of understanding our mission, our vision. So we all can engage in the life that God has called us to be wherever we are. And three things he said we must continue to do. Number one, we as a church must continue reaching lost people. The church exists to reach lost people because Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. And his mission has now become our mission because he's the head, we are the body. And then number two, we must love the least love the vulnerable and one thing that we are known for as Watoto church is our love for the orphan and the widow we've done that for the last 20 years and that has been absolutely a privilege to raise the list of these embrace these women so that they can know there's a god in heaven who loves them guess what there's more of them to be reached out to and we've been called to love the least And then lastly, we were reminded we must disciple the lonely. Jesus invites us to follow him, not just to be followers and fans, but to become disciples. To become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And you know what? We live in a day where there are many fans, many followers, and very few disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why we exist. And this vision series is to enable us to engage with what God has called us to do. Now, if there's anything that we have learned from the last three years in our world from the COVID pandemic and the lockdowns is this very fact that we are made to do life together. That life is better together. Never in the history of mankind have we experienced the levels of depression, stress, suicide, isolation, loneliness than today. We live in the most sophisticated age of our world. We can talk to literally any person around the world in a second. Yet, we are so isolated. We are so lonely. During the lockdowns. In the COVID pandemic, we could not gather in our celebration points. We could not even gather in our small groups. Many of our friends lost their jobs because companies around the world were downsizing because they're not making money. It was a painful, painful moment. But amidst that season... We saw something beautiful happening in our communities. In these small groups we call self-families. We saw the church rise up and people began on loving and caring for one another. And the church became the church. The season which was supposed to take us down actually made us rise up as a church as we became the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And this is what I want to focus on today, that we are better together. Life is better together. And the way we have organized ourselves as Watoto Church is by being in-cell families. I'm reminded of this person, Moses, not real name. After the lockdowns, when we were gathering, we began to gather last year. He came to me and said, Pastor, I can never forget the moment when my family, we were all suffering from COVID. None of us had the strength to care, to just get up and prepare food for the family. We were all down amidst a moment of darkness. Our self family reached out to us and they committed to preparing hot food for us and we were able to recover. Friends, that is what church is all about. And we say it right here at Wachoro that church is not an event that we attend. Church is a family we belong to because life, is better together. Now, since this is a vision series, I'm going to challenge you right now to recite our Total Church vision. Are you ready? If you know it, put your hand on your chest, on your heart, and let's be proud of this vision. If you know it with all of your heart, let's say it. We are an English-speaking, self-best community church, celebrating Christ, growing and multiplying as each one reaches one, Touching those around us with the love of Jesus, bringing healing to the cities and the nations. If you said that from your heart, come on, give yourself a very big hand right now. Now that is our vision that has been our mandate for the last, uh, last 39 years and for the next, I don't know how many years until Jesus comes back. We are going to continue being a cell based community church. We have been called to see healing come to the cities and the nations as you and I engage in this vision. Because this is not the pastor's vision, it is our vision. We need to be playing, you know, church is not like football. You know, in football, watch 22 men kicking a leather ball. And the rest of the world, they're clapping, they are coaching, they're complaining, they're killing each other, they're making money off each other. No, church is meant to be like the people on the pitch, all of us playing. We all must be in the game of doing what God has called us to do. That is our vision. That is your vision. And together, we can see healing come to our cities and our nations. You see, friends, the early church has a lot to teach us about this very issue I'm talking about, being a cell-based community church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 44, this is what Dr. Luke writes for us. They, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. The foundation of their meeting was the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ through the apostles. And to fellowship, how many of you know fellowship only happens when we come together? Coming together is very important. And to breaking of bread, I love that. That when we come together, we are supposed to eat. In fact, the literal translation of this, of a greeting here in Buganda, Oliotia means, How do you eat? So in Buganda, when someone is saying, How are you? they're asking, How do you eat? Now, they're not asking if you eat with your mouth open. They're asking, how are you right now? So fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Watch the unity right there. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued. It was not just a one-off consistency right there. Meeting Together in the temple courts, celebration service, big place, then they broke bread in their homes, small groups, cell families, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Man, that is a powerful text right there. There's a lot we can learn from the early church. I believe this is so key for all of us to understand that life is meant to be done together as the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see they were devoted to their teachings of the apostles. In the same way, our cell families the foundation of our meeting is not gossip, football. We can talk about that. But the foundation is a teaching from God's word that we present every weekend. God's word must be the foundation of everything we gather around the word of God. Because only the word of God will last forever. Everything else has an expiration date. The word of God lasts forever. Then they fellowshiped. That means they gathered. They came together. Coming together as a people of God is not just a good thing. It is a God thing. And then they add, wow, how do you eat? And to prayer and caring for one another. All these are components of our self-families. Now I just want to talk a little bit about this idea of, there is this idea in our world that I can be part of the church without gathering with believers. I think this is a lie. It's impossible to be a part of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and you only stay in your home and you don't connect with other believers. When you are isolated, you don't experience life the way it's supposed to be. In fact, you are going to be the number one target for the enemy. Because life is meant to be done together. We are meant to be each other's keeper. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, 25, the writer tells us, And let us consider how we may spar. That word means to encourage, give courage one another. Unto love and good deeds. Because friends, we give up on loving and doing good. And so we might need to be sparing one another, encouraging one another to love and good deeds. Not giving up the habit of meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Which day? Jesus is coming back very soon. So here, the writer is telling us we must meet, we must gather, because life is better together. And when we gather, we encourage, we give courage. Friends, we live in difficult times. The news all around us is negative wars, earthquakes, gender dysphoria. Recessions all around the world. There's so much bad news that if you pay attention to only BBC, CNN, and whatever N exists, you are going to be discouraged. But you know, friends, God has designed us to come together so that we can spur one another to remind ourselves that there is a God in heaven. He is sovereign, he is in charge, and he is responsible for your life. We must keep on coming together. Don't give up. We are better together. And that is why we are a small family church. We must belong to that one little small group where we do life together. Now what is a small group? A simple definition is a group of Wotoro church members meeting in a community, mostly geographical on a weekly basis. Number one, to build meaningful relationships. Number two, to grow spiritually. As you engage with one another, iron sharpens iron. You will grow to develop our leadership capacity. Become disciples. As we do life together, we discover the gifts that God has placed on the inside of us. And we get to use them and grow. Discipleship happens in a context of relationships. Not in a class. Information is good, but it's not enough. You need to engage with a broken person or imperfect person like you who's going to challenge you to love them more. Because God commands us to love. And as you do that, you grow. And then finally, we love our community that we are a part of. That's a small group. And now, our total story did not begin as a small group church. We began as a program-based church, 1984. Grand Imperial in the Crystal Suites. 75 people showed up. And then we outgrew that place. Then we came to this place. And then we grew up to 5,000 people and then we hit the wall. We could never grow beyond 5,000. And there were certain issues that we acknowledged at that moment. Number one, there was limited pastoral care. At that moment, there were about five pastors with 5,000 people. It's impossible for five five pastors to care for 5,000 people. Impossible. Number two, there was limited congregational participation in ministry. It was like a football match where there's many more fans than players on the pitch. Number three, believers were not maturing to become disciples. People were content to just sit down and just give a little bit of money and say, you preach for us. And after preaching, say, well done. As if it was a performance. No disciples. And then number four, we could never grow and go beyond 5,000 now. It is not about numbers, but let me tell you, as long as there are lost people in this city of Kampala, as long as there are lost people in your community, numbers count because every one of these people are made in the image of God and Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. So numbers are important. Jesus left the 99 and went for the one. You were one once upon a time. I was the one. Somebody came to me and I'm part of this congregation. So we saw a limitation in growth. And then Gary, in his prayer, I found a pastor, Gary, he heard from God asking him, who do you think you are? You think you are this man of God who can pastor a 5,000 congregational church? He said, yeah, actually I can do that. And then got an impression in his heart, my son only could pastor 12. Who do you think you are? And the lights came on. That it's impossible for one to pastor 5,000 people. And we began to understand That we were meant to be a small group church. And then we took one year to teach the whole church about becoming a small group church. And then finally, we launched in 1997 to become a small group church. And they told, I wasn't here, I wasn't born again yet. I was told the numbers dropped to about 3,500. Because some people are content to just clap. And they said, see ya, I don't want to be ya. And we're like, bye bye, more will come. As we mapped out the city, we realized there were small groups in the northern part of the city. The eastern, the western, the northern. What we did was to buy land in those places, we planted churches and we are still planting more churches. And we are a church. Pre-COVID, we are about 35,000 people. Currently, we are about 27,000 people. We're over 2,000 small groups all over the city. We are reaching more people than ever before. But it all began by becoming a small group church because life is better. Together. So as a result of this, what are we seeing? Number one, increased pastoral care. It is not just about the 40 pastors currently who are pastoring Wachoto Church in the 15 locations, it is about the 40 pastors plus the over 2,000 leaders in our sales structure, plus our deacons, plus our, 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 our elders, all of us coming together, plus the 10,000 people who meet in small groups every week who are loving on one another. In other words, people now can be cared for and loved for by one another. More pastor here today. And we thank God so much for that. Number two, what do we see? Actually, before you go to number two, let me first read this scripture. I want to jump... This is important. Exodus chapter 18, verse 13 to 23. This is when prophet Moses received some very spiritual advice from somebody and they expect to know what, to, what that was important. Verse 13 says, The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone as judge while all these people stand around you from morning to evening? Moses answered, because the people come to seek God's will. I'm the man of God. Whenever they had a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Then Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me. I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring the disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring very difficult cases to you, but the simple ones, they can decide for themselves that will make your Lord lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you'll be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. It's a beautiful scripture. Great advice right there. So Moses are saying, come on, entrust pastoral care to many able people and that is what we've done. And guess what? The pastor's, can have a life and raise their children a little bit. As you care for one another. You know, I'm reminded of a cell member last Sunday that we went to and visited. Has been in the hospital with their child for a couple of a number of days. You know, we just went as a cell family, just let's just check on this family member. And we just sat there, laughed, prayed. And at the end of the visit, sent me a text and say, Pastor Eddie, thank you and yourself for coming by. I've not felt this way in a long time. I've not laughed in a long time. Think about that. Just somebody to laugh with is very important. Because life is better together. The second thing which became a result of being a small group church is this. More leaders have been raised. More disciples have been raised. We have over 2,000 leaders in our cell structure who, are helping us do pastoral care. And as they do this, they are becoming disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. More leaders have been raised. Number three, more people in the congregation now are participating in the ministry. It is not just the 40 pastors. It is the 40 pastors, over 2,500 volunteers every weekend, over 2,000 cell leaders, and the number is growing who are participating in the work of ministry. Because our job as your pastors is to equip you for the good works of service. So if you're in this place and you're sitting and you're cheering us, today is the day to say, Pastor, how can I engage and become part of what God is doing in this church? And then number three, oh, yeah, number three, actually it's number four. We are reaching more people than ever before. I'll tell you the story of Mbarara. When Mbarara was launched, it was during the COVID pandemic. We sent pastors Graham and Sheila to Mbarara and the first thing they did, was to get leaders and develop cells. And because of the cells they began, guess what? When Barara was launched, the church just grew from a few hundreds of people. Now there are almost a thousand people meeting each and every Sunday. Small groups. We are growing through small groups. Ginger is another story that we officially opened this year, but we went there last year. Pastor Jimmy and Susan went to Ginger, and they just concentrated on small groups. There so were about 50 people in cells. But when we launched, this year there were about 1,000, and right now they've stabilized about 600 and 700 people, all because we are raising people through the cells, and we are reaching more people with the love of Jesus Christ. So friends, if you're in this place, You are not engaged in a self-family. You are missing out on what you can offer to somebody. But also somebody is missing out on what you can offer. Because on the inside of you are gifts. There are abilities that are waiting to be unleashed. And they only can be unleashed when you engage with the vision that God has given to us. You see, cars. We all came in a car or something that looks like a car which has a motor or a moto, a motor car, a car. And these cars can only move forward. You know how? Because inside their gears. Gears are certain metals that mesh with one another. They engage with one another. And when they engage, what happens? The car moves forward. The only way we are going to see healing come to our cities and our nation is when each of us engages with one another and with a vision to see what God has in store for our city and everywhere God places us. So, it's time for all of us to engage. Now, if you are here and you're all alone, you feel rejected, you are lost in the sea of Botoro Church, come into a cell family. Remember, life is better together. Some of you in this place, you can host a cell family. If you can live in that home, we can come and attend the cell family in your home. All you need to do is have it open for us, serve a cup of tea, remember, Eating is important. And then turn it over to the cell leader. And all is going to be well. Host a cell family. Some of you, you're thinking, is there anything that God can do in my life? Yes. Just engage. Ask the leader, can I help you this Wednesday? Let me lead. Let me lead the worship. Let me pray. You know what's going to happen? As you engage, the gifts that God has placed on the inside of you begin to grow First Peter 5, 8. The apostle Peter, one of the followers of Jesus, says this. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion seeking whom to devour. Be alert and sober-minded. He said, your enemy, the devil. In other words, friends, we have a real enemy. Let's not be naive. There is a devil that wants to destroy your life. But Apostle Peter said, let's be sober and alert. And he said, the enemy, Satan, behaves like a roaring lion. In other words, we can learn something from the lion to understand the strategy of the devil. How do lions hunt? Lions, they will never attack animals that are moving together in a park. They never do that. Because whenever they are together, animals are together, they are strong. They strength in numbers. Life is better together. So what do they do? They look out for that loner, that one who's separated from everyone else. Because when they are isolated, they are not amongst where the strength is. They are exposed to weakness. And lions always go for the weak, isolated, lonely animal. In the same way, the enemy of your soul is always looking out for that Christian who is isolated And it's not connected to a church family or a cell family. Because when you are isolated, you are weak. You have things happening in your mind. Lies of the enemy are just ringing in you. You're thinking, you are all alone. The world is against you. Nobody loves you. And it's true. Possibly some people have hated on you. But you begin to just think about these ideas that maybe you're the only one going through what you're going through. You are alone. You're born in the wrong family. And those, as they begin to ring in your mind, you begin to believe them and you give up on life. And that is why Peter is telling us we must be alert and sober-minded. And we here at potoro Church, one of the ways we defeat the works of the enemy is by engaging with one another. Because it's power in strength. There is power when we come together and we do life together because life is better together. Every week when you are part of a cell family you know that somebody knows you. You are not just a number. You know somebody has prayed for you. You are not alone. So don't fall into the trap of the enemy and think that you are alone and nobody loves you. There is a God in heaven who sent his son Jesus Christ who died for your sin. And he has established his church to continue the work of embracing the lonely. Don't do life alone. This morning, as we're coming to church, my daughter asked me a question after hearing a song in the neighborhood. A song that was being danced through by a person on a popular dance show called So You You Think You Can Dance. I said, Daddy, why are you no longer watching this show? (laughs) Now, please don't, some of you are judging me already, right? Please don't judge me. We are family, right? Thank you. And so I said, you know what? Yeah, I just gave up on that. But the point is, one of the judges of that show committed suicide late last year. And this is somebody possibly who looked happy, looked like he had a good family, but he took his life. And I told him, you know what? Sometimes in life, you can go through trying moments and maybe somebody has bullied you and maybe somebody has you know wrong things have happened to you and you think you're all alone and you give up on life and give up on people and you take your life i was teaching them to say hey every time you get those thoughts that you are all alone you are rejected nobody loves you i want you to remember two things number one there is a god in heaven who loves you and he demonstrated his love by sending his son to die for you. Number two, there is a church family to run to because the church of our Lord Jesus Christ is the hospital to nurse those who are broken so they can become whole again. I was telling them one day you're going to feel that way and it's going to happen but there's a solution. It is Jesus and his church because church Is not an event that we attend. Church is a family where we belong. Maybe you're in this place and you're feeling all alone. Nobody knows you. You are lost. Maybe you're watching. You're part of this service online. And the reason you're online today is because you feel you can't belong to any church. Maybe you think your sin is too much. You have sinned so much that God can never accept you. I want to let you know today there is no sin that is big enough for the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no sin. Maybe you feel misunderstood. You are the person who is always on the peripheral. I want to let you know that Jesus loves you. Don't believe a lie. Come to Jesus. Come to his church. And let God begin to do a work of redeeming and transforming your life. So let's belong to each other. Shall we pray together? Now, Father, thank you so much for this moment. Thank you so much for your word reminding us. That we were created for one another. Life is better together. God amidst us, I know there are people who are feeling all alone. There are people who have been broken by many issues of life. There are people who feel their sin is too much. They've been going through the cycles of defeat upon defeat. They're thinking, is there any hope? There are certain people who feel misunderstood. And yet to this, God, you sent your son. You demonstrated your love for us. You showed your love to the world in this. While we were still sinners, Jesus, you died. Even that prodigal son who ran away and wasted his life. When he came back, he didn't receive judgment. He received an embrace of welcome back home. Because once a son, with a son. So God, I'm praying for such in this place to come back to you, Jesus, who mends the broken hearts, who forgives every and any kind of sin, and who makes us whole again and brings us to a good relationship with God the Father, and then you place us in a church family. God, I thank you. While every head is bowed and every eyes closed, you're here, you're saying, Pastor Eddie, today I'm that person you're talking about. I want to come back home, come back to Jesus. I would like to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm broken. There's guilt, shame, uncertainty in my life. I acknowledge today that I need a Savior. And the Savior is Jesus. If that is you, my brother, my sister, my friend, in person, or you are online wherever you are. You're saying, that is me. And you want to come back to Jesus. Come back home. Would you lift up your hand wherever you are in this place? You say, today, Pastor Eddie, pray for me. That is me. Raise your hand wherever you are. Here, upstairs. God bless you. Raise that hand. Upstairs, downstairs, in the floor. Raising that hand is a sign of saying, God, here I am. I need you. I come back. Raise that hand. If you're online, there is a link that I just shown up. Click it and register your name because we'd love to get in touch with you. There is somebody in this family that loves, that wants to pray and care for you. You are one of us. Lift up that hand, wherever you are. I want to pray now, Father. Thank you so much for my friends today raising their hands and saying, "Here I am, God. I'm the broken that needs to be mended. I'm returning home, whether in person, on air, online." It doesn't matter as long as in their hearts they're saying, "I am the one." Jesus, come into my heart. And to such God, I'm praying that may you restore to them joy in their hearts. May they sense a forgiveness, a peace, and the life that comes when Jesus you come and make your home in their hearts. Oh God, we thank you because it's to such Jesus that you came. I honor you, God. In Jesus' name I do pray. And all God's people say Amen and amen. Can we celebrate our friends who have said yes to Jesus? Both in person and online. Come on, everybody. Let's celebrate them one more time. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you for listening. We hope this encourages you to step into the new. Tune in next time as we delve into the word of God. For comments and feedback or counseling. Write to connect at wachotochurch.com.